Right, Hebrews chapter number 11. We thank the Lord for that. We're with us to Hebrews chapter number 11 this morning. Now, I'm sure if you had a dime for every time I said that I was going to do something a little different, you'd have a lot of money in your pocket. But I'm going to do something a little different this morning. And I don't normally start a series on Sunday morning. Uh, but that's kind of the direction that the Lord has laid on our heart. And to be honest with you, uh, it, didn't, it didn't really start working in my heart till last night. I had another message uh, that I thought I was going to preach. Actually, I had two messages, and I wasn't certain which message I would preach, and it turns out I'm not going to preach either one of them, all right? That's better than preaching both of them this morning, amen? All right, so let's go to Hebrews chapter number 11. And uh, we're going to look at this chapter, and uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach through this chapter on Sunday morning until I get to the bottom of the chapter, all right? And uh, so you pray with us. I don't know how long we'll be here. We might be here a couple Sundays. We might be here a month. We might be here just today. I don't know, but uh, you, you pray for us, and we'll try to give you the thought uh, that the Lord has burdened our heart with this morning, all right? Hebrews chapter number 11, uh, I'm going to read the first four verses, if you will stand with us for the reading and reverence of the Word of God, and uh, I'm going to read the first four verses, I'm going to deal uh, with uh, more, maybe more than that, I'm not certain just yet, but uh, we'll read these for time's sake, and uh, then we'll pray and uh, give you what the Lord has laid on our heart, okay? The Bible said in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, Yet speaketh, you can be seated. Heavenly Father, help us now. We do need your touch. For if you do not help your people this morning, they will get no help. I ask God you'd just use me, Lord, as a willing vessel, and you'd speak through me. Lord, I'd be made small, and that you'd be manifested in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, so here's what I want to start with this morning. We're going to deal with, and you understand already, I'm certain, that in Hebrews chapter number 11, we are dealing as a whole with this matter of faith. It is a theme that we find in this chapter. But I want you to know that if you're not very, very careful, you can look at the theme in its, uh, with such tunnel vision that you miss the very important things that each one of these people that is mentioned in Hebrews chapter number 11 exemplified and that the Lord shows us by these individuals' faith. Now the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is evidence. How is it evident that I believe something through my faith? My faith is the evidence, the Bible said the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Seen. The things not seen that we believe in 
we uh, give evidence of those things we do not see by our faith. Now, how do we see them? What, how do we, why do we believe what we believe? Well, undoubtedly, and no doubt about it, it, it has to be based upon the scriptures of the word of God. Okay? So the Bible here says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. And we are seeing faith is evidence. But I want us to see in this chapter, as we go through it, the evidence of faith. So faith is evidence, but we're going to see the evidence of faith, all right? So we're going to take these individuals over a period of time and we're going to look at the picture of their faith and what it shows us in regards to the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Now it's interesting that the Lord takes a man and you understand that, that God does never intend for you to be seen or for me to be seen. Right? God does intend for himself to be seen through us. So if we're not careful. We look at the faith that these individuals have as we look at this verse of, these verses of Scripture. And we talk about the individuals and the faith in which they had. They were people of great faith. But God did not intend for us just to see their great faith, but a picture of what their faith represents to us. And sometimes we fail when we read these verses of Scripture to see the picture and the types that the Lord paints to us in His Word through the faith that these individuals had. You'll find that faith done something for each of these individuals in a little bit different way. It exemplifies something in a little bit different way. Sure, they all exemplified faith. But the evidence of their faith is showing us a picture of some things that we want to look at here. Alright, so uh, the Bible says the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. We see that good report in these verses of Scripture. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, now get this. We're talking about what faith is. We're talking about how faith uh, was was uh, connected to these individuals. We see that for by the elders obtained a good report. Then the Bible says something that, that almost seems to not make sense with verse 1 and verse 2. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. What does the worlds have to do with these individuals who obtained a good report? This chapter is about individuals. But suddenly we go from the good report that this chapter is showing us to the Bible talking about the worlds which were framed. The Bible said through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Alright, so through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, you would agree with me this morning that we are saved by grace. How's that? Through faith. Notice with me, through faith is a uh, the same thing we see in verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. We understand in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Now, here's what's interesting. The book of Genesis spends the first two chapters talking about creation. God's creation. And the remaining 48 chapters discuss people. 
Now you understand how wonderful and magnificent this creation is and how complex it is. It's so complex that through all of the ages of man, man has been trying to figure out what the significance is, how in the world these things work the way that they work. You know, I told somebody the other day, they believe in science instead of the Bible. And I said, well, science is ever-changing. The stuff they taught in science when I was in school has now been disregarded, and now they're talking about science as a whole in a totally different area, in a totally different way now. Science is based on man's perception. We've talked about how man's perception messes things up. And so we understand that we do not live by science, but we live by the Word of God. That doesn't mean that the Word of God doesn't coincide with science, and science and some things we learn about creation begins to make sense upon further study, but I don't live by science. I live by faith. And so the Bible says here, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed. So here's what's interesting. Genesis spends the first two chapters talking about creation. The remaining 48 chapters discuss people. Now the first few verses of Hebrews chapter 11 is dealing with what? The world and faith. Alright? But then the, the remaining verses deal with people. But the people that we're finding in this chapter start back in the book of Genesis. It's interesting, you're going to find that a lot of things we read in chapter number 11 must go back to the book of Genesis to uh, get our understanding of it. I would say to you that Hebrews chapter number 11 runs very parallel to what we find in the book of Genesis, all right? These people we will find start being revealed in the book of Genesis. We find that faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So just for a moment, let's redefine what hope is for a minute. Hope is confidence based on a well-founded expectation. So hope is not, Brother Marvin, me going down here to Weigel's and buying a lucky seven and scratching that off and hoping that I win my money back. Hope is something, it is a confidence now, a lot of people do not have confidence in their hope. I have no confidence that if I go down and buy a lucky seven lottery ticket that I'm going to come out of there with more money than I did when I went in. I have confidence that I'm going to lose money, and if I continue to play that, I'm eventually going to run my whole paycheck and give it to, to Waggles because I'm trying to play the lottery hoping I might win. That's not hope. Hope is confidence. How are we confident? Am I confident based on science or am I confident based on the word of God? My confidence must come from somewhere. If you're not confident, you won't stay where you're planted. You'll sway and you'll move. All right, so one that sways and moves isn't confident. All right, so how are we confident? Hope is confidence based on well-founded expectation. All right, Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 17 says that faith cometh by Hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right, so hope is closely related to that of faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have no confidence, Brother Marvin, apart from God's holy word. You cannot be confident of anything, but you can be confident in God's word. So the Bible says here, faith cometh by hearing, 
hearing by the word of God. Now notice with me what happens here in verse 3 of chapter 11. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now here's what happens. We go from explaining and defining what faith is. We go from defining what faith is to saying that the elders obtained a good report because of their faith. Then we switch gears and go into this matter that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But Psalms 19.1 says the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. So here's what I want you to see. We have the world today because he said so. God spoke the creation in which we live in by his mouth. God spoke it into existence. Okay? So we understand that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By his word the world was framed. So faith because, listen to this now, faith because he says so. And then we see the glory revealed to us by his saying so, which strengthens and validates his word, not that his word needs validation, but when we look at the firmament and the firmament show forth his handiwork, we cannot look at that and say anything other than God. God. Why is it that Hebrews chapter number 11 takes us back to the worlds which are formed? This could not be here except for God. You cannot explain it. Only God could make something as complex as the world in which we live in today. And as master mindful as people are today, they still cannot explain this in its entirety. And even in science you will find that there are people that fall on either side of an opinion that are actually opposing one another, yet they call it science. I cannot have confidence in that. But I can look up into the heavens and see the complexity of the world in which I live in and say, God, God, there is not a living being, not a living creature that does not look up into the skies and cannot say to themselves, my, how complex of a deal this is. All right, so faith. Listen to this now. In this chapter, each person had faith. It is mentioned in this chapter that they had faith. Each person shows us something significant that their faith reveals. Now, what we're going to start with this morning is that of Abel. All right? And, and we're going to look at these individuals, and as we deal with these individuals, we are going to show you what their faith is revealing to us in Scripture. All right, now, let me ask you a question. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3 first. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 3. Excuse me, Genesis chapter number 4. And I want to read you a verse of Scripture here. The Bible says, and Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man-child from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now I want to pause right here. Uh, for just a moment, and I want you to understand that we're fixing to embark upon a very familiar story where both of these individuals, these brothers, present an offering to God. 
And the Bible says here that in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the first things of his flock and out of the fat, uh, and, the, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Now, one thing we've got to do is we've got to start looking at the, different, the difference in these two offerings. Number one, we find here that Cain was a tiller of the ground, right? Now, why was man having to till the ground? Let's notice this for just a moment. The Bible says in verse number uh, 17 of chapter number 3 of Genesis, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I have commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Uh, cursed is the ground for thy sake. That's why we till the ground. The ground is cursed. Since uh, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. If you're going to eat, you're going to have to, you're going to have to till the ground, you're going to have to sow the seed, you're going to have to deal with the thorns and thistles because the ground is cursed because of man yielding to sin. Alright? Sin is the problem that is causing this individual to have to till the ground. The Bible said, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou, shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So we find first and foremost that Cain was a tiller of the ground, and Cain was a tiller of the ground because of the sin that had been placed upon, or the curse, uh, the curse that had been placed upon the earth because of sin. But the Bible says here that in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the first things of his flock and of the fat thereof. Now, both brothers have brought an offering unto the Lord. Say, so why is this significant? Because we understand here that the Bible teaches in Hebrews chapter number 11 that Abel was a man of faith. How does a man have faith? Faith is the, uh, excuse me, faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. But we have faith by what? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Abel was a man of faith because he had heard from God. Abel knew that God was requiring something out of him. Now, the law has not been instituted here. But we find sacrifice and offering before the law was ever given. The law was our schoolmaster to show us that we could not in and of ourselves please God. So having said that, we understand that Cain and Abel both brought an offering before the Lord because they knew that God required it. They did not get up one day and just decide that out of the goodness of their heart they was going to bring God something. They understood that God was requiring something out of them. We find that uh, his very mother and father was sent out of Eden. And was clothed by the skins of an animal that had given their life and no doubt had blood had been shed to remove that skin. For God had covered their nakedness and nakedness we know in the Bible is synonymous with sin. Sin, sin, sin. We find blood shed and we find sin. 
And you'll find that theme all through the word of God that where there's sin, there must be bloodshed. For without the remission of sin, or for without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Blood must be shed. All right, moving on. The Bible here says that in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought out of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had, no, had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Now I want to say to you, both men knew that they were to bring an offering to God. Understand this. One man brought something that would please God. One man brought something that God did not respect. Now here's the interesting thing about it. Nothing that Cain could bring to God would bleed. Nothing. It wouldn't matter what his crop was. It, and you, and you, the Bible doesn't tell us what it is, but just, just guess it to be anything. Cabbage don't bleed. Corn don't bleed. Your carrots don't bleed. You understand what I'm saying today? There was no blood. And here's the interesting thing about it. This man was having to work the ground. This man was having to till the soil to get the fruit that he was going to have to bring to the Lord. Now I want to say this. A lot, of, a, lot went in, a lot went into the final product that Cain was going to bring to the Lord. A lot of work. You don't get what he got without a lot of work. It takes work to eat. And he understood that he was bringing something to the Lord that he had worked to get. But in all of his work, in all of his effort, in all of his sweat, it was good enough for man because man can't live and have life without food. But understanding what was good enough for man wasn't good enough for God. Now, first of all, you better understand this morning that what's good enough for man isn't ever good enough for God. Just because what you do pleases somebody or somebody thinks it's good enough or somebody thinks you're okay, that don't make it right with God. It has to be pleasing to God. So we find here that Cain had to work to produce the fruit that sustains the life that he needed to live. Now, you would agree with me that God created the plants and the seeds that were within those plants. God spoke everything to exi in, into existence. And at his voice and at his word, according to Hebrew, or yeah, Hebrews chapter number 11, the worlds were framed. Creation, it exists today, what we have in this creation because of God speaking it into existence. So God created the plants that has the seed within. God's seed produces fruit. However, there's a requirement in this process that man must be involved. Man has to till the soil and work the ground and must also harvest the fruit. Man must be involved in this process. How, and if you want the fruit, if you want the yield, man must be there. Man must take part. If man does not take part, man dies. All right, so follow me here. The Bible here uh, says, And Abel he also brought of the first things of his flock. What did Abel bring? Abel was what? 
Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and unto his offering had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. We know that Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Now let me ask you a question. Did Abel have to till any soil in order to have a sheep to bring to the Lord? No. Was thorns and thistles an issue and beating down the thorns and thistles an issue in order to present the sheep? He did not have to hack away the thorns and the thistles. Here's the thing. We, we continue to look here and we see here that that man has a job to do in regards to God's creation. In regards to God's miracle of reproduction in food, and, and there had to be tilling of soil and man's effort to be placed into that, the produce that come before the Lord, that come by the hands of Cain, come because Cain worked and sweat and labored. The produce comes from man's works mixed with God's miracle. It is God's miracle. Reproduction is God's miracle, not man's. But in the product of food being produced, man had to play a part. So it was man coupled with God's miracle that brought forth the fruit. Say, why didn't it please God? Because God knew that man was a sinner. And man could not please God because God had separated man from that paradise and sent him outside of that garden because of Man's sin. All right? So, interestingly enough here, we move on. We find that God, you would agree, created the sheep. Now, God created the plant that formed the seed that man had to plant. But God created the sheep. And that sheep has the ability to reproduce. All right? Now, how does fruit reproduce? By its own kind, but it takes man being involved. All right, so God's sheep procreates with God's sheep. And a sheep is the product of his sheep. And so man keeps the sheep, but he plays no part in the sheep's reproduction. He's there to look after the sheep, to care for the sheep, to, to, to make sure the sheep have what they need. But in its reproduction, man does not play any part in that whatsoever. As a matter of fact, it's impossible for man to play any part and for there to be a sheep come out of that at all. Impossible. It's not possible by the laws of nature. What are you saying today? First of all, I want to, say, I want to show, share this with you. Man bringing anything to the table where God is concerned about your salvation you bring no part to that whatsoever. You can't do anything. It is impossible. It is impossible for you to play a part in your own salvation. It is a work of God. Now you have to accept what he done. Don't get me wrong. But you did not have to do anything. You could not do anything to produce salvation. Nothing whatsoever. So we find here that the beginning theme in the first four chapters of this book, we see sin and we see sacrifice and we see bloodshed. And when one offers a sacrifice to a God that has no blood offered, God does not respect it. All right? So God created the sheep. The sheep has the ability to procreate and man has no part in that. So what does that mean exactly? 
That means God's creation is taking care of God's creation. God created the sheep. What God created and the ability he gave his creation was to keep on creating. The creation down through the ages of sheep come because of God's miracle. But man doesn't play any part in that. So the best crop that could ever be grown by Cain wouldn't be good enough for God. It might be good enough for man. And I think that's the problem. See, he, had, he, he would have had to take his crop and look it over and determine what was the best fruit out of everything that he'd picked. And when you look at what you played a part in, you can rear back and put your chest out and act like you've really done something. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this down here to God tomorrow. Because this couldn't be, I mean, this couldn't be any best, the best yield I ever had. I mean, I've done everything just right. I tilled it just right. I mean, I've done everything just on time. I got the almanac out and made sure I had it planted at the right time. And he takes it before God in his pride and says, look what I bring to you, God. And God says, the best that you can bring to me isn't good enough. But here's what Abel does. Abel brings to God what man had nothing to do with, but what God had everything to do with. And he gives it to God, and God says, oh, now that satisfies me. Because man did not play a part in it. Man did not taint what God done with his sinfulness. And when you try to bring something to God that's of your own ability, you are tainting what God has for you. All right, so the Bible says here, uh, the Bible says here, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? You would understand here that Cain has presented to God the best that he had with his best efforts, and it wasn't good enough, and it caused Cain's countenance to fail. Cain must have had a good countenance when he came to the Lord. Man, this is the best crop I ever had. Look what I've done. God's going to be pleased with this. Now, I want to say this. He undoubtedly brought to God something that God didn't ask for. Abel was a man of faith. Faith cometh what? By hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. God did not punish Cain because Cain did not know. God is not like that. God punished Cain because Cain did know. Cain just thought that what he'd done would be better than what Abel was doing. And when you think that what you've got to offer God is better than what God has to offer God, you have become God and everything that's ever tried to become God has went to hell. Satan will burn in the lake of fire because he tried to become God. You better understand that God pleases God. God will always please God. He'll always take him to do so. So the Bible said, The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? He wanted, he want, now listen, did God know why Cain was wroth? Sure he did. But he wanted Cain to consider why he was wroth. Sometimes we get angry, it does us good to consider. It does us good to stop and think and question some things. But the Bible said, The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? Now here's, here's, here's what I love. God is fixing to give Cain another opportunity to do better. God did not punish Cain the way he could have punished Cain 
Because Cain was given another opportunity to fix his mistake. Now let me say to you, Abel was a man of faith. He had heard what God wanted. Those brothers knew what God needed, what God desired. They ch one chose to do something else. He found out that in all his pride that God busted his little pride bubble. God has a way of taking your pride, kicking you to the seat of the pants, and humbling you down just a little bit about your pride. God's not impressed by what you produce. God's not impressed by what we have. God is only impressed by what God produces. And so having said that, we find here that his countenance falls because he realizes that God was not happy with what he offered. And so now he's distressed and he's frustrated and he's aggravated. And the Bible said, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Question mark. Now he wasn't accepted. And he knew he wasn't accepted because his countenance fell. But he said, if thou doest well. Notice this. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. In other words, he's saying, I would accept you. I would accept what you do if you'll do it well. He's questioning. He's trying to get him to think. He's giving him an opportunity to say, well, my corn cob wasn't good enough, but I will go back down there and see about getting a sheep. But instead of yielding, it furthered his anger. Now let me tell you something. Everybody comes to a crossroads when the Holy Ghost of God presents to you your sin and shows you what you are in front of God. You have to make a determination at that point whether or not you're going to further your anger towards God or if you're going to give him what it is that he wants. The Bible says here, and if thou, if thou doest well, thou shalt, shalt thou not be accepted. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and slew him. Cain should have been talking to God. You'll find a lot of times when God's talking to you, you ought to be talking to God. But when God's talking to you, you'd rather go talk to your brother. You'd rather go talk to your sister. You'd rather go talk to the one down there that'll justify you in the actions that you choose to have and live by. Let me tell you something. Going up there and linking arms with somebody that tells you you're all right and doing good does not mean anything. It only matters what God thinks about it. The Bible said, if thou doest well, thou shalt not be accepted, question mark. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they, rode, uh, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? What a smart aleck. Now you'll find sometimes you, know, you, you, you really, you're really getting on scary ground when God's dealing with your heart and you decide to be a smart aleck. When you throw your head back in pride and you say, I don't care what God says. I don't care what God's book says. I don't care what the preacher preached on. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. And it doesn't matter who it affects or who it bothers. That's the attitude that's going on here. And so the Bible, and he, even, he wanted to kill his brother that was trying to do what pleased God. You know what you'll try to do when you get an attitude like that? You'll try to kill the people that's trying to please God. Amen. So the Bible says here, 
And, and so uh, the Bible says, am I, am I my brother's keeper? Question mark. Verse 10, and he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. He said, I give you another opportunity, Cain. I give you another chance to go find me a sheep and bring it down here and, and, and put it before me, but you've chosen rather to do what I ask of you, to go kill one of your own brothers. And so because of that, the Bible said, Now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, notice this, when thou tillest the ground, that shall not henceforth yield unto thee your strength. In other words, what God provided for Cain is now not going to do what God intended for it to do. Cain was supposed to do what God intended him to do. Cain did not. So Cain was not going to be a recipient of what God intended for Cain to have. Now follow along here with me. He said, when thou tillest the granite, shall not henceforth yield unto thee your strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Now, I want you to listen to this verse, and I'll be done this morning. The Bible said, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. You know what happens when you bear a load? You suck up under that thing, shoulder back, and you carry the load. Us men, we pride ourselves in toting the load, you know. Oh, it's a heavy load, but I'm going to man up and I'm going to tote the load. He's saying right here, the load that you put on me, God, I cannot bear. The punishment, the curse, the issue, the, the, the consequences of my neglect to do your will is more than I can bear. I want to say to you something to, uh, to this morning. When you go against God and you suffer the punishment of trying to be God yourself, it will be greater on you than you can bear. Why? That's why there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. That's why there's screams and cries and beg for just the tip of someone's finger to be put in water that it might cool your tongue. The consequences of your sin is always going to be greater than you can bear. You cannot make it through this life in this life, in God's world, without him. And to go alone will be harder than you can bear. So, well, I'm making it just fine. Well, smart aleck, just hang on, because it might just get a little rougher in just a little while. So the Bible says here, it says, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. Why? Why did God not want Cain to die? God wanted Cain to live. Now let me tell you something. We think about that first death, but we don't think about that second death. See, that second death is still eternity. It's not life by definition of the Bible, but it ain't dead by definition of man. In other words, man who will go to the lake of fire will be in torment for eternity, never able to succumb to that death. 
It's an eternal state of dying, but never being able to succumb to it. It's a load greater than one can bear. And Cain was not to die. Cain was to live and suffer the consequences of his smart aleck rebellion. You know what happens? We suffer the consequences of our smart aleck rebellion. Let me tell you something. The rich man right now in hell, if he could snap his finger and end it, he'd snap his finger and end it just like that. But he cannot because he will for eternity pay for his sin debt. So the Bible says here, uh, and the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain's vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any man should kill him. And Cain, listen now, went out from the presence of the Lord. What does that sound like? That sounds like the same thing that happened to his mama and daddy when they got sent out of the Garden of Eden. So notice this. The Bible said, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. Just like Adam and Eve was he sent away. But this time there was no sacrifice involved. And he would suffer an eternity or the rest of his life on earth rather because of his negligence simply to give God what God had already provided. Let me say to you something. You know what God wants you to give him? God's not asking more out of you than you can give him. God's just asking you to give him what's already his. That's it. All you have to do. You do not have to conjure up something. You do not have to build up something fantastic. You do not have to work within yourself to make something happen. You just simply have to give God what is already his. It took God to please God. The Bible said, for by grace are ye saved. Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Cain took something he could boast about. Abel took something that God had provided. You know what you better do this morning if you're lost and undone, don't know Jesus Christ and the free pardon of sin? You better come to him and yield, understanding that God Give his only begotten son as a lamb before it shears his dung. The Bible said, so he openeth not his mouth. We understand that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. We understand today that he was as a lamb that was slaughtered. He was our propitiation. Jesus Christ was provided to us. God give us the lamb and we simply have to accept the lamb. Cain had to go and accept the lamb. Cain could not take what he worked for. He had to go to Abel and say, I need a lamb. And if he took a lamb, it would have caused him to have to humble himself because he could not bring what Cain had. He had to bring what Abel was watching. And so he, he could have took what Abel had, brought it before God, and God would have been pleased because Cain had brought nothing that Cain had done. You better not bring anything, anything to God in and of yourselves. We're saved by grace through faith. That's believing in him, trusting in him, not of ourselves. 
Boast not of ourselves. The Bible says not of works, lest any man should boast. So he was removed and sent out from the presence of the Lord because of his lack of sac- or giving his, of the sacrifice that the Lord had required. Let me get back over here to Hebrews chapter number 11 for just a moment. The Bible says here in Hebrews chapter number 11, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Here is the evidence of the faith of Abel. Now, bear in mind as we're starting this series this morning that we're going to start connecting some dots to what each of these individuals bring and show us in type. And as an end result, when we finish this chapter and we look at these individuals, we're going to look at the picture that is painted to us in the very different areas of, of what it is to be saved and to know Jesus Christ in the free pardon of sin. But understand that as we look at Jesus Christ and knowing him in the free pardon of sin, we first cannot bypass the shedding of blood. And as we began looking at this, the very first person that had faith, we see the evidence of that faith. We see a blood sacrifice. Now I want to say this in closing this morning, and I'm done. Matter of fact, every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I want us to understand this morning, first and foremost, there had to be bloodshed. Cain did not kill himself, for if Cain had killed himself, Cain would have shed his blood, but God still wouldn't have accepted it because it would have been man, and man is sinful. But it took the shedding of blood of an animal that God had provided. And when the Bible teaches in the book of Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. I want you to understand something. If you're saved this morning, you're saved because you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, plus nothing and minus nothing. And furthermore, if you're going to continue to please the Lord as you go down through this walk of life, you're going to have to keep yourself out of it and always keep God in it and the only way to do that, friend, it's, without faith it is impossible to please God, the Bible says. So how do we have faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We only please God by doing what God says we ought to do. How do you do that? By his word. If you do what Cain done, do what you want to do, how you want to do it, friend, you'll never please God. And when you displease God, there's consequences, friend, that you'll have to suffer because of your rebellion and your arrogance. Heavenly Father... We ask now as we take a few moments of silence, if someone needs to come, we ask God that you would deal with their heart. We ask God that you would, would touch them. We ask God that you would, uh, would work in their heart and convict their heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just for a moment, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you need to come, I want you to come. Won't embarrass you. Won't come to where you're at. Just come do business with God while we wait for just a moment.
that you come. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Please be with us as we dismiss this morning and go our separate ways. Bring us back together again safely at the appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you for your good attention this morning. Appreciate you being in the Lord's house. Five o'clock, we've got uh, uh, class tonight with our Sunday school teachers. Invite you to be here for that if you can be. Uh, please, there's a sign-up sheet in the back uh, for the meal on November the 21st for our Thanksgiving meal. If you will, you put something on that if you're planning on coming, and we'll thank you. And uh, we'll have uh, men's prayer tonight about 545, all right? And we'll back it up to 545. Anything else that needs to be mentioned before we dismiss? Anything at all?